It's August 11th, 2021, and we're talking to the new head of CLG, Greg Kim, about taking stock of the organization and making plans for the future. This is the True Sight Podcast. Welcome to the True Sight Podcast by Oracle's Elixir, your source for in-depth analytical coverage of professional League of Legends and the rest of the esports world. I'm Tim Magic Sevenhusen, and today I'm joined by Greg Kim, the head of CounterLogic Gaming. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks for having me, Tim. Excited for excited to be here. Yeah, we've uh, we've talked a fair amount in the last couple of years in the background now and then, checking in on things. Uh, I know that that we met first when you were at Riot. And then talked a little bit in your transition into working with Evil Geniuses, and now you've moved on to CLG. Uh, so, you know, I know a bit of your backstory, but why don't you fill everyone in who's watching who may not kind of know who you are, where you come from, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your journey in esports. Yeah, yeah, it's been a little bit of a journey. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I mean, my professional career started in I, like not esports. I'm originally a non-endemic, like one of yeah. those. <laughs> uh, I started in IT consulting, doing project management and, and um, you know, enterprise enterprise solution implementations in the healthcare and the tech and educational space. Um, it was like a really good place to learn how to be a good professional and make presentations, engage with clients and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't what I was excited about. So um, I actually went to get my MBA from MIT Sloan, where I started to where I really wanted to think about doing something for my career that I was more passionate about. And I would say the two things that I grew up most passionate about were sports and video games. Hmm. Uh, and esports is nicely at the, the intersection of those two things. So coming out of Sloan, got an internship with Riot Games and eventually went there full time and started my esports career working for the LCS. I did strategy and data analytics for the league, which is basically thinking a lot about viewership performance, um, doing a lot of audience research. If, anyone ever got one of those surveys at the end of their League of Legends games that asked about esports or the LCS, that was probably me uh, in, in 2018 and 2019. Um, and uh, really thinking about how to like strategically uh, advance the LCS or iterate on the product, all that kind of stuff. But uh, right up until the October of 2019, when EG got the Echo Fox slot in the league, yeah. um, you know, they plucked that slot. And as, as you may recall, had no assets like all yeah. the echo fox yeah. contracts player staff everything was cleared out in that exit so um eg picked me up and i was tasked with building a league of legends team from scratch uh everything from signing our players and coaches and staff to uh helping us find a facility in la and everything and did that for about six months plus before transitioning into working all EV sports for, for EG, uh, being responsible for competitive ops and gaming strategy across all of our titles. And then right up until about two months ago, I, I was there and, and have now started at CLG where I'm responsible for the whole business uh, as opposed to just like the gaming competitive ops. I essentially stepped in to run the organization and I'm the direct link back to New York and everyone at Madison Square Garden and so far as CLG goes. So who was is, who is filling this role before you took it over for CLG? Was this, is this basically replacing, like Hotshot wasn't hands-on for quite a while now, right? It's not him in that. Correct, area. yeah. So I, I was stepping in for um, Dan Fleeter, who was essentially running the CLG business for Madison Square Garden before. Okay. And um, he's, he's back in New York now, and he's working on the MSG Sports business more broadly. Um, and he actually kind of has been doing a bit of everything for some time. So now that I'm back, now that I'm in the saddle, like we have a dedicated CLG leader that's pretty much very much focused on this business. And, you know, I think uh, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but uh, I have a bit more competitive and endemic background. So yeah. I think a little bit more leadership on our competitive side of stuff too. Yeah, and I'm sure that's one of those things that you have to balance between, you know, running running the team as a, as a, a business, right? Like how do we uh, generate revenue and, and you know, kind of classic startup stuff versus as a as a competitive uh, entity that wants to win games those things feed into each other but they're not quite the same like set of goals and yeah. targets, right totally, so, totally yeah that'll totally. be interesting to see how that uh, how that uh pans out for you what led you to kind of make this this change i guess like first of all the change into being on the team side of things when you were in riot um why did you join eg yeah 
I mean, that first jump was super exciting. I think, um, you know, coming into esports, I didn't, I didn't exactly know what I specifically wanted my career in esports to be, right? Whether it's sticking with the league and like being commissioner someday, whether it was going team side. Um, but, you know, after spending some time working, you know, on really the numbers and the performance behind the league, uh, the opportunity to, to actually jump into the team side and, 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 you know, sort of play out that fantasy of being like a mm. GM or team president and, and building a team from scratch and really like diving in uh, head first was super exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of situation where there's there's only w- one of 10 of that job in North America, right? Yeah. And there's only one of, and at least at like the scale of uh, a major region or, or like a, yeah. a, a world scale qualifying type of team like there's only one of so many of that job in the world right so um that's what that's what was super excited to me it was also the opportunity to build and drive and really push myself and see what i could do in this space um it definitely was a learning experience as i'm sure the clg uh job is going to be a huge learning experience but i i think to me it was like the once lifetime opportunity and just sort of take it and and see where it takes you for sure was this something where you know the job posting was out there and you saw it and you're like hey i'm gonna go after that or were you approached like did you have existing relationships um someone put me in touch with eg and i think uh you know i can't speak totally for nicole but i think at the time they were um you know eg's headquartered in seattle right and everything league of legends of course is in la and and although eg had been in league of legends in the past like you know it it had been some times changed (laughs) yeah yeah permanent partnerships definitely different era of the LCS than before. But um, I think there is a desire to get someone who had an understanding of not just the competitive ecosystem, but the league and how to operate with Riot and and maintain good relationships there and navigate just not just being a team on the Rift, but also a team that partners with the league and learns how to work with the league and other folks around there. And that that was, I think, where I sort of had a unique skill set and perspective and um, sort of some of the right I guess, professional skill upside to come into that kind of role and be able to craft a strategy, articulate a strategy and work with our leadership at EG to to build something. Yeah, well, I think we'll um, get a little more into some of the the journey through the EG time and now into the CLG time. But, you know, I think before we move into that, what would be some of the reasons that you think like CLG fans should be excited about you coming into this this organization now that you've made this change? Uh, and and yeah, maybe think, maybe moving into that, you know, why why they change from EG into CLG? Um, what what makes you excited about this change, and how should that yeah. kind of like flow through? Yeah, I'll tackle the second and then move into sure. the first. I mean, I think first of all, like starting like it's a it's kind of a bigger job, and in, and in the same way that that EG job was in a, a huge learning opportunity, a chance to jump into something new. This is this is that same thing, you know. At EG, my job description is very much leading our gaming operations right so it's all all the fun of managing the players and the teams and some of the relationships with the leagues uh but this job is really um going beyond that like as opposed to being like the voice of gaming strategy within an org this is really incorporating that and also thinking about how to lead a marketing team how to do the sales and like well i would you know i would have touch points before and now i'm like responsible for the whole thing uh sure so definitely like a great learning experience and i step up and i think a good test for me to see what I can do with the opportunity and learn as much as I can in the process. Um, and then there's the added factor of like, I, I grew up in New York city. Like, uh, I was there from birth through college and yeah. I grew up a fan of the Knicks. And I think if you had asked me at 13 years old, whether I'd ever have a chance to work for the garden, I don't think I would have imagined it like this, but it is a, it is a dream come true in those respects. Like, you cool. know, I think they uh they printed a I posted this on Instagram the other day. They printed a Knicks jersey with my like gamer tag on it the other day. I was like, well, it's crazy. Like I never would have imagined this. So I think a, an element of sentimentality there, an intimate element of learning experience there, and and just excitement for what we have here, right? I think um, CLG is a legacy esports org. It's a very different problem space than what we had at Evil Geniuses in the LCS because. You know, at EG, we're trying to be a new team and build a fandom and get people to care about us and, and grab attention. For here, it's, you know, <clears throat> we have a lot of loyal fans who've been around for a while. They're understandably frustrated, and I yeah. think we captured... Some of, some uh, of them may have the, gone and, underground. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, I think still we there. captured the attention of the league in some ways that we probably wouldn't have wanted to in the last couple of weeks. But, like, I think, you know, I, I see that, you know, we have stuff to learn from some of the experiences towards the end of the split, but at the same time, like... For people to care about us like that, like that's an asset, and I think it's about 
how do you channel that into something more exciting? So like, so great opportunity there. And I, I think that leads into hopefully why uh, CLG fans can be excited. I think for me, um, there are a couple things that come to mind now. I'm sure it'll evolve over time, but one, you know, I think we get, this gives us a visible voice and leader, right? I'm here to, I'm here to set a direction for CLG where it feels like maybe there hasn't been so much of one for CLG as an org over the last couple of years. Um, I'm here to try to be that external voice a little bit more. Granted, like being a talking head and doing the marketing stuff isn't my area of strength. I would say it's more stretch zone than comfort zone, but I will get out there. I, I did an AMA, I think a week or two ago. And, you know, I think it gives, it'll give our, help give our organ voice and a way to engage and interact with fans. Um, and yeah, I, I think compared to prior leadership, I, I come from a more competitive endemic background. Granted, my strength is in League of Legends and not as much the other titles that we're we're in. But, um, you know, there's a voice at the top who's going to work to structure things on the competitive side. It's not going to be my whole job as it was at EG, but it's an area of comparative strength of mine. I don't know about compared to the rest of the world, but for me, it's at least experience I have that I can bring to the table. So mm -hmm. um, I think more holistic leadership across the board, some some more tapped in strategic direction and for better or worse, a lightning rod for the public to engage <laughs> with when things are going well or things are going poorly for sure. Yeah. You'd be the, uh, the IMT Noah kind of <laughs> face out there. Sure. Maybe there's a different example. I don't know. What, who, are, are there any of those like, like organizational faces that you're going to try to aspire to learn from a little bit or emulate? Um, I'll try to do me. Well. I mean, it's so interesting, especially in with esports teams and, how they're all set up and how they're structured and it's interesting how it all intersects together because you know you have teams where where like the face of the org or the ceo of the org is very tapped in and dialed into everything yeah. that that the league team is doing right like uh, like folks like jack and steve come yeah. to mind or like reggie in that respect and like there are other teams kind of like eg where like the ceo isn't the competitive person like they have a person right yeah. or like they that was me or for immortals right. it's not the ceo of immortals it's it's uh mike schwartz uh etc and yeah so I think for me, it's crafting that balance. And I think for me also, one of the challenges will be finding that work balance where I can't just pay attention to our competitive side and especially yeah. not just our league team. So we, we have other teams at CLG that are actually doing quite well across the board and thinking about how to market those guys and, and, and um, how to help you know set a brand direction and strategic direction and work with our marketing teams and stuff. Like that's just as important as the competitive stuff. So finding the right balance, I think is gonna be important. Yeah, it is it's very interesting how the different orgs seem to to manage that like what is what is the face we put forward? Obviously, you put the players forward as much as you can and make them because the 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 fans have such an attachment to them, but then you have sometimes like you said like Jack with C9, Steve with Team Liquid, all the way down to the team manager doing it for Dignitas or uh the head coach for Evil Geniuses lately, I'd say is is more Peter Dunn being the face uh, a little bit more for the league team, right? Um and and so just finding that and I guess part of that from where you're positioned right now will depend on, you know, who are you moving forward with into 2022? It's, it's hard to develop that strategy outside of yourself, who is going to be there. Right. Uh, Cause you don't necessarily know everything about, you know, who's going to, whether for whatever set of reasons, you know, who's going to be moving forward into the next season. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure that's, that's a, an interesting kind of problem to tackle. Um, Given that this is a bit of a change of kind of job duties coming from EG to CLG, you're moving into a little bit of a higher level. What what would you say are some of the the most important things you've learned during your time at EG that you're going to be able to kind of carry through? Yeah, I would say um, the first like big learning experience I think was just like team ops, right? Like nothing nothing really prepares you for that aside from like being in it, you know, like yeah. Uh, from the fan perspective or like, you know, I was a fan before I worked for Riot and before the LCS. And even when I was working on the LCS, right, I was engaging with our audience numbers and I was watching the product. But when it came to teams and competition, like I was just a fan, like, I don't think you, on that side, it's hard to get a full like appreciation of everything that goes into it and the nuance of what goes into it and how you work with players and how, yeah. how, how much like stuff like structure can matter. So I think like, the first biggest lesson was probably um, just like the team ops and management stuff. I think the second biggest thing would have been well was uh, just sort of like the business element, like how to work with leagues and how to position yourself for success in the long run, not just 
as a competitive team, but with, uh, you know, as a business and given business considerations. Um, I think the third was just having experience with uh, one of the more professional esports orgs and, and thinking very closely about thinking very intently about how to operate like a clean, clean esports operation and and get into stuff, all, all the stuff like employment law and all these other crazy things. <laughs> but I think to, to dig into each of those, like uh, on the team up side, like I, you know, EG is a unique experience in that we got to build from scratch, right? Yeah. So this is really like, it's sort of taking all the inputs as fast as possible about like what the accepted norms were in League of Legends and how other teams operate while also trying to input like my um, my style of leadership or my style of culture and also incorporate like, you know, I was working very close with Andy Barton, like what his principles were and what his priorities were and ultimately yeah. like what our coaches wanted to do. And, um, and Andy is the general manager of the team, right? So he'd be a little bit more hands-on. Hands-on, for sure. Yeah. Um, Andy is managing pretty much. He started out in the same way that I started with League and expanded to everything. Andy also, you know, he and I were in the trenches together building the League team and then also expanded across titles. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I think I had a chance to really learn from our players over the years and, and our coaches, like some sense of what works and what doesn't, you know, I don't think I've seen every iteration of what uh, a behind the scenes League of Legends team looks like, but I've certainly seen, uh, you know, what a, what a, I don't want to say struggling, but like a more, a team that has some more challenges in last year and also a team that um, we really believed in and, and developed the structure of from year two. Um, you know, it's given me a bunch of perspective there and, and, um, and what to, a little bit of what to look for in staff and what to do when building an operation and a culture. Um, you know, I, I think that was probably the biggest culture shock and learning experience for sure. Um, and I think you sort of see that in how we really viewed the ecosystem from year one to year two and how we wanted to structure things year one to year two. I mean, year one, it was like, we were in a frantic scramble to just like get players and coaches right i think yeah. we felt pretty good about what we ended up with at the end of the day but you just look at the evolution from from that coaching staff and operation to what we to i keep saying we but what eg has now and what eg's won like the coaching staff was split with like yeah you know we increased headcount we extend we expanded to um down to amateur to three teams and, and there was definitely a lot that went into that yeah. and well like that's just we, the competitive team op stuff right? can we pull a little bit of that apart because i'm curious about going back to to building that you know i don't want to dwell too much on the history here and i do want to talk about the future and clg all that but but I, I would love to hear a little bit about like you said when they picked up the slot from echo fox none of the player contracts or anything like that came along. And I think we've seen in some situations where players do carry through. Can you tell us, like, was that just natural contract expiration? Or was that like, hey, it's a new org, those contracts aren't valid, and we just choose we're not going to sign new ones? Or Yeah, this, I can't speak to it with a ton of expertise, but basically, like, I, I'm pretty sure, and I'm not going to use the right terminology, but, like, when Echo Fox lost the slot, they just... Everything was like nulled and voided, or like uh, sure. like voided at that point, or like terminated. And not at that not point. by an intentional choice of theirs. It's just naturally, hey, the org is done. Yeah, these contracts yeah. are over. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I wasn't at EG at the time, so I don't know like how the transition worked. But I'm pretty sure like okay. it wasn't like EG acquired Echo Fox's assets. It was more right. EG acquired the slot the from slot, LCS, yeah. but like didn't have any of those assets. So and then. And then you guys to to deal with like trying to get in that short time spent to get a roster on you had this massive bio package from cloud nine uh and you know that had certain parts that have worked out and certain parts that have like you know maybe not quite delivered uh to, to the level of expectation what was that process like in picking up this big package because i'm curious whether whether you do it again or whether you take yeah. that kind of an approach with clg now or yeah so i I take actually one step back, Tim, and and sure. and sort of go into it like going into free agency. Like, I came on, I want to say like October fifteenth of twenty nineteen, right? And so a lot of teams like they start thinking about offseason as soon as they're out of it. And yeah, I think like right now. <laughs> we didn't actually bring Andy Barton on as our GM. I want to say until like like you know the end of that month or so like some point late in october so mm -hmm. so it's not often that you only have a month to figure out like what the heck you're gonna do like just from scratch <laughs> so like we really quickly had to come up with the plans and i think like yeah. for us it was thinking about you know i think it centers around good process right it's like what are our goals in lcs like what do we want to accomplish and what do we think is the team that'll help us get there right and i would say 
um, for the goals that we had about coming into the league and and also knowing that EG is an org that takes care of like cares about being competitively successful yeah. and like you know taking things seriously. We weren't gonna come in and just flop or spend minimum. Like right. we wanted a team that uh, would be competitively viable off the bat um, and have upside for the future, right? And I so I mm -hmm. think like ending up with that C9 core and led to a lot of different things for us, right? Like that's how we got bang interested that's how we got jizuke interested because you know he's talked in the public about how like he saw these pieces and saw something attractive so i think like sure. in a way like that year one thing led to the other and like that was just one of the scenarios we plotted out like a lot of free agency is just building out those decision trees like scenario a with the c9 buyout like this enables yeah. x y and z branches like if we had gone full free agent route we probably would have built around another player and ended up with a very different team sure. so um I think in terms of what that direction gave us, like, you know, I mean, that C9, that C9 buyout led to having a core, it led to attracting other free agents. And, you know, Dennis and Daniele are still like the basis of EG's success currently. So I think I would say, I would say for standing up an operation, it was worth it for sure. Cause mm -hmm. I think that, that helped us. I would like to say, you know, I'm not, I don't know exactly what all the players say about EG and what the other staff say about EG, but I, for us, I like to think that it helped us establish a core basis for the program. It helped establish ourselves as like, you know, a, a, an org that was trying to do things the right way. Uh, and I think over the year, we tried to really prove that we had the right priorities and we had good structure. And I, I would like to think that that's what helped led to recruiting someone like Peter to join and, and give his input and take on the reins there. So um, ultimately, I, I see it as a success. Sure. Um, yeah, and I think those guys, I think those guys have a shot to win it all this summer. I hope they do. I'm very proud of, of what we built over there. I'm very proud of those guys. So rooting for them on the side, uh, even though I'm no longer with the Orc. <laughs> so now that you're <clears throat> moving into CLG, and this is a very different scenario, right? You're moving into something that has a long legacy, as you said, within the LCS. Uh, not a brand new, you know, we have no assets, we have no contracts and, and players. Um, but so you have a bunch of players. Some of them are under contract. Some of those contracts are expiring. Actually, I, I should have looked up beforehand in case we want to get into that. But I, I know you guys have a continuing contract with Finn. I believe that was a three-year deal he signed. Uh, I believe Brox is going to be a free agent. Uh, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head off the top of my head i think two or three of your, your lcs contracts are expiring right and then you've got players in academy uh how do you come into this and then also the existing staff right managerial and coaching staff and, and whatever else how do you how do you come in and get kind of acclimated and take stock of of what you have in order to determine like here's what we're working with here's what we move forward from and, and how is that different from kind of the the, the blank slate kind of approach yeah it's definitely a super different challenge. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's harder or easier yet. I think time will tell on that one. But I think right now it feels like a, a more interesting and more difficult one because um, coming in, I think the way I see it, like there's sort of two ways you can go about it, right? Or I, maybe there are more than two, but like the two that that were apparent to me is like you can come in, you can try to insert yourself and just instill everything you you know and that you've done and and just like imprint yeah. that. Uh, on what uh, the operation is that's not what i've done um and and for context like i think i started my first week was um right before like the tsm upset so it was like towards the end of the season um so you're taking but credit I think, for the win is what you're saying <laughs> I, I wish <laughs> yeah the, I, I mean ultimately like this all comes down to the players and coaches and i think yeah, same yeah, at eg right those are the guys that me. are um doing all the hard work but i think um the approach I've taken is just sort of to come in and observe and see like what we have. And I think, um, I think the broad philosophy here, not just as a competitive leader, but as a, as a leader of the company is, you know, take a, you know, peer back at what's made this work successful and what the legacy is and what the culture is and figure out how, uh, how we can help build on that and adapt that to the future. Right. Like in the same way, like every team has a different, type of owner and leader at the top like i think i'm figuring out a little bit who i want to be and how that fits clg um and also like going back to your question in terms of like how we run lcs it's all right like what what's working well what's not working well um what's everyone's experience been i think one of the first things i did was start to meet all the players one-on-one -on -one and just hear about the year and their experience and mm -hmm. 
and you know their opinions on what's made us what's been successful and what's made us not as successful um and sort of take those as inputs and i think as we go into those off season i think we have clearly we have a bunch of things to try to think about and fix but i think for me it all stems down to um you know how do we build a build a strategic direction for for everything that we do right like for for evolving our brand for evolving our competitive presence and and having a clear-cut goal across the board like for our league of legends team like they should know exactly what they're aiming for right like mm -hmm. you know if worlds is a standard that's going to be our standard and we're not dropping that over the course of the year if it's a developmental year like what are our goals what kind of progress do we want to see and like have that in mind and actually like driving around that like those are the kind of things that i feel like um we haven't necessarily had as strongly uh in the past year maybe the past two years and i think there are other uh there are there's other like in esports stuff just happens right i think there have been some other things sure. that have affected like team composition or, or like you think about crown two years ago i don't think anyone could have anticipated right like that situation happening as it did so yeah um i think for me it's it's been one observe Two, like see see where the strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities are, and three, like figure out how I can help lead and guide there. And I think ultimately, like you know, build something that runs itself because I have a bunch of other priorities across the company yeah. to yeah, to worry about. So, uh, to whatever level of depth you're comfortable sharing, then what do you think some of those strengths are that the org has right now that you've seen coming in and say, hey, here's something I can work with. Well, I think I spoke to one earlier, like, I think just the fact that we have a fan base to, to engage with and interact with, like, you know, I think, um, I think there's been a hunger for, for just, um, for some direction out of CLG, uh, and, and also just like a voice. I think Tafo's kind of had to shoulder that burden for the whole org because he's just like visible as the League of Legends GM, but I think he's had to do a bunch of stuff that you know you wouldn't normally expect a League of Legends GM to do on behalf of the org. So sure. I think one one I think the fandom uh, and having a vibrant fandom to engage and work with and and grow with uh, is super exciting. I think two we have a lot of folks on board who who've been at CLG for a while for a long time and they know what the history is and I think there's still a lot of passion is and and an understanding of like what's made us successful in the past. And I think those are those are assets to use as you think about how to build into the future. Um, and I think three, um, you know, I'm I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm pretty excited about just, you know, taking things to the next level and evolving the relationship with MSG to the next level. I think mm. uh, I think having having someone who sits in New York who has a sense of what CLG is all about and what it's like to work in esports and what the deal with esports is, I think like that leadership at MSG has evolved over time, and I think that I, I think the conditions feel um, there. There's more opportunity, and there's I think more excitement around what we're doing compared to maybe what's the way it's been in the past. Granted, I wasn't here in the past, so I'm just hearing everything secondhand. Right. But um, I think there's a bunch of stuff to use to build, and I think the question is how do you how do you orient all of those things in the right direction, and how do you like build structure properly and let let you know, let the work and let the let the competition sing from from everything that you set up. Sure, I, I mean, I'm I'm really curious on that MSG front because uh, from an outsider perspective, right? Like just being someone who observes the LCS situation, what's going on there? At times, I would say it's felt like, or or the community vibe has been that CLG being owned by MSG has been kind of a, a background thing. It it's kind of had the perception that MSG bought CLG kind of put it in a savings account and decided to sit back and see what kind of interest it builds up, right? Rather than being really hands-on and uh, leveraging that MSG brand, which is a huge brand that they should be able to, to build up a lot of excitement and fan loyalty and these kinds of things. Uh, do you feel like that, that relationship, I think you already, you already kind of spoke to that. It feels like that relationship is starting to kind of click in a little bit more and, and get more intertwined, but yeah, is that something that like, how close are you going to be involved in building out that relationship and being able to op make an opportunity or, or, or uh, make use of that connection with, the, with yeah. that huge org, right? Yeah. I would say very close. I think like, I think to your point, I think there's stuff we, there's more we can be thoughtful about in terms of connecting back to MSG and like connecting also to like, you know, I, our core identity and our presence has always been like rooted in CLG as an esports org. But like, yeah. you know, we have a link back to New York that I don't think we've exploited at all. I don't know if that's going to be like a brand pillar of ours, but I think it's something mm -hmm. we could definitely be more thoughtful about because we are like a Madison Square Garden sports property. Yeah. Um, but I think to address your, 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 the core of your question, like, I think 
a lot of a lot of the tie-in back to New York is like what doesn't go seen by the public and the fans. I'd say like over the last couple of years, from my from what I gather, like we've leveled up our professional capabilities a lot. Like working back in New York, like you know, we have a lot of shared business functions that go back to go back that, that we work with MSG on. I think those have gotten those processes have gotten a lot stronger over the last couple of years. But like you know, fans don't care about like how well you're integrated with the parent company and how well you like share services and stuff. Right. So, but I think like there's a lot of progress there and I think it's set a lot of foundations and a lot of groundwork to, to, uh, to work with the folks back in New York. I would say like half my meetings are are with folks back in New York and I'm probably going to be heading back there a bunch, which is convenient because it's where I grew up and it's where home is. Uh, So, so I think like, I think we have a chance to evolve and I think we have a chance to definitely grow that. And I think, um, I think we have a chance to be thoughtful about how we build that together uh, as a part of Madison Square Garden, um, and I think channel that into the CLG, more of the CLG that like our fans are looking for, right? Because I think um, I think there's uh, a lot of what I say is going to come back to this, but I think there's a real opportunity to just try to try to have a direction, right, and a strategic identity, and have that like have that be very clear to ourselves internally as an esports org clear to our fans as our fans and also clear back to new york and our our parent company and so that they know understand like what we're doing and how to support us and like that kind of clarity like you know it it uh you know that momentum helps rising tide raises all ships right sure. so um that's a hope we'll see how it goes in practice i you know this is a lot of what i've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks and what i have to work on a ton <laughs> over the next couple of weeks and months. But I yeah. think the opportunity is there. And um, I think like we have, we have tools certainly to try to cut at it. Sure. Is there, I, I don't want to be too pointed here, but I think there might be some part of the fan base that looks at what happened to Schalke, Nulfir and in the LEC and looks like, Hey, they bought up that, they bought that slot. They invested into it, you know, reasonably well, but at a certain point it just became a low priority for that org. And, uh, and they ended up just selling the slot and, and seeing the profit potential there is, is there any reason fans should should be concerned about that as a potential outcome that that MSG might just see, hey, this is actually a big just immediate profit opportunity yeah. and we'll move on? No chance. I think like I think uh, MSG has been pretty pretty smart about thinking about esports a little bit. I think obviously from a fan external perspective, like there might be there might have been some challenges over the last split in the last year, but I, I think um, you know MSG is a thoughtful approach to esports, and I think uh, I think you know, for all intents and purposes, like that that's my job to help shape that narrative back to New York and continue mm-hmm. to push things. And I, and, you know, I think there's a lot of confidence and there's been a lot of, a lot of support coming out of New York in terms of, um, you know, my initial meetings and, and what we're starting to want to do. Um, and, and I think, uh, that's very much on me, uh, to, to make sure that all those stars are aligned and like that we're having clear communications and that we're like using our resources properly. But, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't like a, this isn't like a pump and dump. I don't think like yeah. we're going to be exiting anytime soon. Like um, it's definitely, it's where we're, we're now like a part. Yeah. I, I don't think it was like this initially when MSG acquired CLG, but like we're part of the sport sports operation, just as much as like the Knicks, the Rangers, 2K gaming, Westchester Hawks, et cetera. So um, we're in the fold. Yeah. I'm sure that's the kind of thing that, that when the team is struggling competitively, those fears are going to, you know, amp up a little bit just because everything, all the negative stuff is going to come up a little bit more. Uh, but the more you yeah, succeed. And it's, it's ironic, right? Cause I was a Knicks fan, right? I mean, like, thankfully they didn't check my college socials. Like when I took the job, otherwise <laughs> they would have seen a lot of complaining about, about some of the old Knicks teams. But like, you know, I, I think these things have been flow and, and, you know, hopefully we can drive to something and like the, the tough memories will just be that tough memories. And like, we'll have, we'll create some better ones to, to go along with the legacy and we'll look back at this year and, and uh, you know, remember it for what it was, but be happy about where we are. Who's your uh, favorite all time Knicks player. So Jeremy lends a cop out, right? Um, I think so. It's, Did you know really I was weird. on a panel with him at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference? There's all kinds yeah, of yeah. I, I know because I organized that panel too. <laughs> um, yeah, but they yeah, don't. no. I think uh, so. This is where I'm very weird because like I was more of a fan of the underdog Knicks team. So like I kind of want to say David Lee or like Amari Stoudemire. I think my favorite all-time Knicks team was actually the one where it was uh, was Amari. The Amari Knicks, like before the Carmelo trade, 
because like the expectations were lower. He was having like an MVP like start to the year and they were just like underdogs like going against everyone. Um I really love that team. So uh, yeah, it's funny to think about sort of like where the Knicks were and like where they've come. And I think they're in a really exciting spot this offseason. And like that kind of journey is hopefully like one we can replicate on the CLG side, right? Like come back from a couple of tough years and and build something exciting to grow with. I uh I really enjoyed Jeremy Lin being one of the depth players in the Raptors. Uh, <laughs> in their championship run, I got to I got to point out to everybody along the way that's my friend Jeremy Lin. We were on a panel together and we're winning him a ring, so <laughs> that that was good stuff. Yeah, for uh, sure. You've mentioned that that mm-hmm. one of the really big things you wanted to bring in with CLG is like uh, is setting goals, setting a vision, saying, "Hey, this is where we're headed together," which is you know one of the the classic points of leadership, right? Like giving inspiring everybody into a shared vision. What, what would you say you want CLG to become or to represent? Like, what is that that vision? And I guess <clears throat> uh, uh, the way Thomas Baker of the Game House put it in a, in a question on Twitter was, you know, w- what is your vision for CLG considering, especially considering how poorly they might sit with the, the current law community? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a tough one to answer now because we're in the middle of just doing a lot of that. I, I and we are leadership and our, I think we as a company are doing a lot of that discovery in terms of like where we want to push. So I don't think that's something I can just say now, but I, I think what I can say is like a paradigm, right? You look at, excuse me, you look at you look at what FlyQuest has done with their brand over the last couple years, right? Mm-hmm. You look at what 100 Thieves has done since coming into the league. Like you think about certain esports teams, you know, what they're about, what they stand for, what their priorities were, are, and you can see that in a lot of the things that they do sort of across the board, like whether it's in the, like, you know, I think whether it's in the, so like marketing campaigns they run on social, whether it's how they activate, like against League of Legends, it's like the jerseys they put out, it's the influencers they sign. Um, I think like for us, I think the priority is to just have something cohesive and something that feels true to to CLG and our staff. And I know like a lot of this is a non-answer because I don't think we have the answer yet. I think it'll be something that respects our legacy, but I think something driven by, um, I would expect driven by our passion for esports and the gaming and the product. I think, um, you know, occasionally you see, I've seen a couple of tweets from Monte Cristo talking about how like, you know, the new wave of investment has taken the fun out of esports, right? And I think, you know, we have an org that still very much has that passion for like the game, the, the the games behind the esports, like the spirit and and like the <laughs> Not promise of esports, it yeah. too much. Exactly. So I think like that's a tricky balance for me. Yeah. Like you know, how do you run a good company, but how do you stay true to that? And I think like that's a tough problem that a lot of esports orgs face. Um, but to me, I think there's there's something there in that passion that we can tap into that'll hopefully like drive a direction for us as like a brand and a company. And I, I think we already do a lot of great stuff that uh, that isn't just le- limited to League of Legends that sort of pushes along those fronts. Like we run these Samsung Open tournaments where, um, you know, people, community can sign up like for cash prizes and like get that like broadcasted esports experience, right? Like we over the summer, like ran a bunch of summer camps uh, around like some of our gaming titles and careers in esports, to, like, you know, give like young gamers a understanding of like what the possibilities are, like how to get better at their crafts. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and we also ran like a big guilty gear tournament that I think like one was one of the first big stream tournaments for that title after it came out. And, um, there's a lot, I love that we have a lot of like external facing empowerment there. And that I love that, um, we're very community driven. Uh, and, and again, that like, you know, every single person here, I can't think of a person that I've met at CLG that like, doesn't love games and like i that that is not the case at a lot of esports are so i think it's tapping in that energy that to build something that resonates i don't have the pithy like one-liner or like how yeah. that how exactly that like you know that like represents itself in our marketing but i think like they're the roots of something there and, yeah. and hopefully that's what we identify and build on well you still got to bring all the leadership away on a weekend retreat right that vision statement and the mission statement and put it on all your letterhead right and isn't that the isn't that how you run a business i'm pretty sure it's the yeah well step we'll zero right? that. I, sometimes <laughs> that works sometimes it doesn't yeah sometimes <laughs> i well I'd, I'd love to get a little bit more into some of the fine details to whatever extent we're able to but um you know 
you you mentioned how, how LCS teams will often you know once as soon as they're out of the running and especially not going to Worlds or whatever it is is in the case of CLG you guys you're competitive years over other than Academy, uh, which is uh, your Academy team still playing in the Proving Grounds qualifiers right now. But um, you know since you do have this opportunity to get started kind of early in the off season, what are your priorities over the next few months on the competitive front? Uh, how do you kind of start uh, preparing your approach and and how directly involved are you in that? Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> so. I think it's a multi-step process, right? I think uh, the one that we're in and the one that's I think pretty important is taking stock, right? Like do, doing doing all the right things at the end of the season. Like doing for me, like it's another round of conversations with all of our players and our staff on like how the year went, uh, uh, what we were good at, what we were bad at, and just really take like going into the off season, like have an understanding what we left with and what happened yeah. this year. Um, so I think the first phase is just like that discovery. Um, I think the second phase is looking at what we have to bring to bear into the off season. Like I think you mentioned some players that we have, uh, contracts with next year. I think, uh, you know, as teams get eliminated and as like we get into worlds, like, I think the picture, um, sort of become, it's like, it's like navigating into fog of war, right? Like the picture of what the map is becomes more clear sort of as, as time develops and as we poke more and as we understand more. Um, so I think second phase is understanding like what will be out there. Um, and then the third phase is very quickly figuring out like what fits us, what fits our priorities and the resources we have to bring to bear and like what, you know, what is, what, what's feasible or what can we accomplish in terms of a roster staff and operation that, that fits what we want to do. Right. So I think it's, I think it's timely that we're doing all the strategy and brand work now because like, mm-hmm. <laughs> ideally like all of that fits together right like our league our league team should hopefully like sing the values of what our org stands for right or or like you know have a bunch of players that work with that and um competitively at the same time like at the same time we're figuring out this brand stuff like i think it's this first discovery and this first look back like these first three phases of seeing what's out there is when we figure out like who do we want to be how does that manifest itself for what our targets are for next year? Like, what do we need to be building for, for year two, year three? Like what's our long-term vision? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I don't know that we did fully thoroughly in previous off seasons from what I've heard. So yeah. hopefully some of that structure have helped give us that direction of that longer term outlook. And, and, you know, you want to, you want to be putting yourself in a good, the best position that you can, right. To like potentially pivot and do other things. Cause like, it's yeah, like stuff's gonna happen, right? Like this past <laughs> off season, like granted, yeah. I've only been a part of two, but like that felt pretty crazy, right? Like yeah. everything was set, everything blew up, everything was set again. Like uh, you know, Osh players became residents, and like so, like <laughs> hopefully this off season isn't as crazy. But you want to, you know, you want to build a. I'm gonna sound like a record, but like you want to build a good framework and be able to pivot properly and sort of uh to do the best you can within like your resource constraints and in adherence with your vision so i think part of this is now like figuring out what that vision is and and what the landscape's going to be so we can operate fluently in that space yeah so like i i imagine going into this you have a lot of core pieces that you need to assemble right you have to determine how do we feel about our current like managerial and support staff how do we feel about our current coaching staff how do we feel about the roster pieces we have uh you have to kind of determine each of those pieces and what you're going to do there. You have to look at what's going to be available, right? Who are the free agents either currently or, or about to become free agents that we expect who, who might we be able to start speaking to earlier if we talk to their teams first, but you also have to do this vision kind of building of, you know, are we going to aim to compete uh, in this current, like, are we going to try to get to worlds in 2022 or are we going for a more longer term developmental project? Kind of the, the golden guardians fly quest approach from this year, I would say, uh, which of those do you kind of slot in first or how much does it happen in parallel? Yeah. Well, I think like <clears throat> it's, that's especially with the, you know, coming off of a year like this one, it's, it's, it's funnily, it feels there's, there's some similarities to EG, right? Where like mm. who we want to be is going to be defined by the talent available and what we think we can accomplish yeah. and achieve. Right. So I think like, if we take a look at the market and we just like see a world's capable team that that's yeah. out there, like we'll figure out like, you know, that, that start, that becomes the identity, right? If we don't see that kind of talent availability, it's like, okay, like if we don't think we can be successful this year without spending like $10 million or something, like what mm-hmm. makes sense for us? Like now, two years from now, three years from now, and like, what's the cost mm-hmm. benefit of like 
the one-year trade-off, the two-year trade-off. And, and you know, I think that's defined by talent availability. I think every year there's always a couple players that you don't expect to be available that always were. Like, I don't think we expected Peter Dunn to be, like, available as our head coach, like, last offseason as well as he did. So um, that that's defined by – I think that's defined by the market, and I think that's what we have to wait and see. But I think for us it's, like, okay, like, what what do we – what do what scenarios can we plan for or like see out there Mm -hmm. and like how do we execute like given those scenarios with like different different pieces being available like different positions having different talent availability all that kind of stuff so um i think the answer is like we don't we don't yet know like what where we want to be punching or who we want to be but we're preparing ourselves for like what all those what all those possibilities look like so do you have people in the org already looking at kind of starting to, to paint that landscape of, Hey, the, these players are going to be free agents and here's how we kind of rank them. And, you know, here are the players in our org that we think are the most worth like retaining, um, or the, these are the ones we're willing to walk away from those kinds of things. Like, is there, are there people putting those resources together already? Yeah, I think so. We're still in, we're, we're still in first phase, right? Like we're yeah. still like, you know, the season just ended. I think like we wanted to, there's a little bit of a mental reset that I think has sure. to happen just to separate yourself from from some of the challenges we had and just like the competition and bring some fresh eyes to bear on it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the discussions with players have started off, obviously, like Brox and Finn, we sent them home last week. So we had some conversations with them before they went out and we'll continue to have some of those player and staff conversations over the next week. So, <clears throat> so sort of in parallel to that, like, I think that, like, these are the things that help paint the picture for what we have to build with and what experiences went well and what didn't, what we need to correct for and what uh, what we need to keep doing. And and that sort of feeds into it. So I think it, I would say it's all happening in parallel, but it's changing sure. towards the let's understand sort of what happened this year. And, and for me, it's getting fluency in that, right? Because, you know, I wasn't here for, for most of the season, right? I just kind of saw the end of it. So mm-hmm. um, there's definitely, you know, an understanding that needs to be built before you can drive forward. I think uh, the the classic picture you get in a lot of traditional esports or sports rather when it comes to like you know handling a free agency opening or a draft or something like that is you get these war room visions of you know a group of staff you know the scouting staff and the and the general manager and the assistant GM sitting around this big table and phones everywhere and you know laptops open. Um, who are the people in your org? Like, are you at that stage or you're saying like, here's who, here's who the core of our war room is yet. Do you look at that? Like, is that a prerequisite step for you of like building that war room table of, of people who can give input on this before you can really start executing? Uh, yeah, I think there are different ways to answer that question, but I think like, first of all, like, like absolutely. Because like, I don't have the eyes, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm candidly like a gold level legal legends player. I think like with my professional experience, and with my competitive stop targeting competitive. <laughs> with my competitive experience, like you know, I think my comparative strength is trying to like ask the right questions and build the right structure and the right decision trees and the right strategic framework. Um, so like that's my focus, right? And yeah. and so to for that to actually have any value, like you have to have the right people in the room, and I think that mm-hmm. that's like you know, our candidly, like the understanding we have to build is like, what do we have that we bring into that? And like, where are we potentially making changes for the upcoming year? Um, Like, we're not there yet. Like, it's first like the discovery portion, right? But I think like, in terms of how I like to operate, like in an ideal world, and like, this is not what we had the first year we did EG, right? But we had it in the second year is that like, you have you have a solid structured process. You have that war room and you know how it works, right? Like mm-hmm. everything should drive, everything should drive in unison. Like I would say, uh, I don't think I reveal too much here. Like I would say like, you know, EG, when we were picking players, when we were looking at various roster scenarios, like the input of the coaches is super important. The input yeah. of our analysts is super important. And then like, you know, you ideally have like a point person or a GM, like for like Andy or something, who's collating all that information, taking in all that information and like, helping to build like you know like build these scenarios like okay this is what the roster could like this is plan a this is plan b this is plan c like this mm-hmm. is what it looks like with like these different players in this position yeah. this is what it looks like with these different players and this is player a leads to we think leads to players b c and d but like player player x leads to y and z right mm-hmm. um so like you know i can't do that like i you know because <laughs> i i don't i don't talent evaluate right like i think the the strength and 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 you know everything you've seen from EG this year is like, um, you know, I, I helped channel those destruct, 
discussions and structure those discussions. But, you know, that's that's off the back of like the scouting done by Nasser, by Peter, by all those folks. So um, similar here, like, you know, we're, I, I would like to not pull any triggers before we have like the tactical eyes on it. And that means yeah. uh, making sure that we have that right, that that good yeah. tactical suite of talent and, um, you know, an operation that knows, you know, is comfortable, like working with me, help working through some of those decisions and strategic frameworks. And for me, it's learning about like, you know, I have a lot of I have I have a lot of authority here just by nature of leading the org, but also like help painting the picture to MSG, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's something you deal with at any org if you're not like the owner and CEO the way I think some other some other teams have, right? Like yeah. for me at EG, for me at and I presumably for me at MSG, it's like I can craft a vision and then I have to sell that vision, right? Yeah. Like um and I have to get I have to get like my boss or my executive suite or like my investors on board to any sort of thing and you know, that's tough sometimes. And I think like, um, that, that's, that's a, that, that comes down to like how much trust you have from your org or from your leadership. And it comes down to, uh, to, uh, to, to how you navigate that relationship and how you can tell that story. Right. And I think that's where I'm stronger. Cause I have some of that consulting background. You know, it's funny, like at one point, at one point in the off season last year, like some, some executive came up to me and was like, I think we hired the wrong coach. And it's like, hold on like what are you talking about right like like and i think it's like validating to see him get coached coach of the like see our staff get sure. coached the year right but it's like yeah. it's it's putting yourself in their shoes right like you know they're not necessarily in that like when you when you're dealing with for me like when i'm dealing with msg or or whatever like you know if they don't know like who all the players are like they don't know who tomio is right like these are yeah. just kind of like random gamer tags it's like yeah. all right how how do i properly paint the picture of like this is who this yeah. player is, this, or this is who this coach is. We, this is what he helps us do, how we structure things and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And like, you know, going to bat against that, right? And like yeah. painting the right picture. and Because I, I imagine you have to build that that trust from the upper levels in order to determine like like staff budget and things like that, right? So like when you look at the, the budget you have, uh, and I'm trying to go just from memory on what you have kind of in the managerial coaching kind of staff right now, you've got Tafo as the GM. You've obviously got uh, Moon as the head coach. Um, I know you guys brought in Prussian as an analyst. You've got an academy coach. Uh, I'm sure there are some other people who work with the team who I'm just not as familiar with. But um, have you taken much stock of that and, and seen opportunities where maybe you can either, you know, make some additions or make some changes or, or some things where, you know, like how, how directly involved are you going to be in that kind of uh, org chart, I guess? Yeah, I would say pretty directly involved. And I think like, uh, I think... What we do, it's it's a that becomes like an elevated conversation, not just about like our competitive operation, but like with with back to MSG and like thinking about the overall business in terms of like what resources we have to bring to bear. Like, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be the same pop like to EG's credit. Right. Last year we added like three or four more coaches and like a whole amateur team. Right. Like and that that was awesome. It was, it was amazing to be able to have that playground. And I think that stemmed from the fact that like, you know, we built a clearly articulated vision for like what we wanted to do with the whole program and uh and our leadership had the confidence to just like give us those resources to do that thing mm -hmm. i think here at clg like um that's where i like i have to get up to speed as quickly as possible right because it's understanding like okay like what what tools do we have what resources we have what are the budgets like how are we um how does that fit what kind of coaching staff we want and i think also tim that's defined by like who you're able to bring in right yep. like uh, availability it, yeah. yeah and like you know i think peter peter's the kind of coach where he's an excellent leader like he's a great executive coach and i think like you know it's well publicized what he did with splice and how he ran things and like having someone like that um lets you hire a bunch of other coaches that he can manage and leverage well right like if we have a head coach that's like that like great we're build out the staff right but you know if if we have a head coach who doesn't need so much like you can't leverage and develop a whole staff and so much is just someone who's focused on the league team and like, you know, running a good team and focusing on the five, five players ahead of you. Like that means we probably don't, we can't take advantage in the same way, like all, the whole entire coaching staff and like the yeah. whole program. Right. Like that's why I don't know if amateur makes sense for us. Like I, you know, the approach we take in academy is probably different. Like it all stems from like what our capabilities are and who we have in the room. So that's why I think we start with like, you know, we start with, staff we take a look at players and we figure out like how we build from there yeah so i mean it sounds like you're very much uh at the start of the process of determining how do we feel about the current kind of staff we have and the current resources for that 
Uh, yeah, because I, I think like you know it would be doing ourselves an injustice if I just came, like you know let's let's say I weren't as conservative, right? I just came in as like gosh, oh, like crud, we got like tenth place, like it's time to just fire everyone and start from scratch, right? I don't think yeah. that I don't think that's like the smart thing. I think that would be pretty reactionary, right? Like you don't yeah. like you know we want to take these things seriously, certainly we want to take the last couple of years certainly, but it's not like mm -hmm. you don't want to over rotate. So I think before before executing, it's like. I think that's really why this discovery phase I, I keep referring to is important because it's just, you know, what do we have, right? And mm -hmm. what do we have and like what worked for us? What do we want to keep as a part of our identity going into the, to the next year? And how do we build off of that? So coming in as someone like yourself who, you know, as you said, you're not necessarily, you know, a, 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 someone who has a great eye for uh, scouting player talent or things like that. And you come in and you want to determine in your staff what kind of resources you have for for that kind of thing. What what do you bring to bear when you've had a coaching staff and a managerial staff that has all been working together throughout the year and you want to, how do you determine the quality of their ability to build these rosters and to, to, to evaluate these players if you don't have, if you don't feel you're bringing that skill set in yourself? Yeah, I think uh, it's a couple things. I think like, I think one, it's the, start of the baseline like again this is the fog of war thing right like you discover things along the way and like i think the baseline is you know you start that's why you start with talking to the players and staff that you had this year because you have an understanding of of you know everyone's opinions on how everyone else did and how yeah. things worked and didn't work over the last year and like you know every every one of those conversations probably has like a percentage of the truth but you get towards like a truth of just like mm -hmm. where we are on this year and i think um as you move forward and you know i'll take this back to eg right like as we were evaluating staff and hires and coaches like you know your your initial like your initial steps open up your further steps right like i don't think we would have uh, i don't think we you know in year one compared to year two like our expertise when we were bringing on coaching staff and stuff like evolved yeah significantly right like just thinking about year two everything we had to bring to bear like when you have like me andy like nasser and peter like mm -hmm. interviewing every single coaching candidate like you know you're pretty confident in that picture right and yeah. it, it sort of start you start with one piece and you move to the next and i think for me um finding those first couple pieces i think that comes down to you know um that comes down to a very solid interview process i think it's seeing how people think i think it's taking a look at the work at folks have done in the space and processing like how much of that was them versus just like the players being crazy versus yeah. like whatever like um and and trying to get to you know finding quality uh and building yeah. from that quality to to engender more quality yeah and i guess like to get a little more concrete with with what i'm thinking about is you know when you were hiring peter dunn for example how he comes in with a certain reputation and his teams have accomplished certain things but you don't want to just hire on that reputation right so so I, I imagine you leaned on someone like Nasser, um, who's who's uh, the the yeah, kind of strategic I think, analyst. I think say, I think how do I'm we okay measure how do we measure Peter's game knowledge? Right, like <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're okay to talk about this because Peter's actually tweeted about it publicly. But like, <laughs> I think it was important for us to actually have a process wherein like you you see whether or not the person you're hiring knows what they're talking about, right? right. Like, and like and that's really what I'm to, getting at here, right? Yeah. And like you have different folks to, I hope Peter doesn't feel like I'm putting him on blast or anything. Like you have different folks to have different interviews, right? Like for like, you know, I think, you know, when Nasser had a conversation with him, it was very tactical. Like when Andy had a conversation with him, it was like about players and management and stuff. And with me, it was very much conversation about like, who are you? What's the structure? Like what are EG's priorities? And like, what what's like the vision statement, right? Mm -hmm. and I think similarly, like if we're, like let's say hypothetically like we were interviewing for like a new a new like gm or something right like you know i think the first step would be like are you a fit are you a culture fit like what do you uh how do you you know this is clg this is like what we're working with like is this a situation that like works for us right and then you have some you have you need to measure them on like their league of legends ability and like how they like scout talent and stuff and then mm -hmm. you also have to measure like how do they fit with with like me right or like how do they fit with mm -hmm. like the oregon leadership and like how what are your how well we work together yeah and how do you structure yeah so um those are all like super interesting questions and and you know that that kind of process extends to like 
everyone, right? Like it extends to head coach, it extends to your assistant strategic coaches, it even extends to your analysts. Because mm-hmm. you know, I think the the orgs with like the best culture fits and that cohesion are the ones that I think tend to be the most successful. That's at least the hypothesis we had last year, and I think it's worked out pretty well for EG, seeing how they've 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 done over the year. And um, you know, it's here. It's like seeing what bits and pieces of that work and what what business pieces do we want to replicate from like my philosophy that and andy's philosophy it was not just my philosophy but from what i saw work there and like how does that fit us and what we want to do yeah i mean is there any situation where you'd kind of triangulate some of that information with with sources outside the team and say like hey internally uh some of our coaching staff felt like this person you know had these 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 opinions and we think that's a really positive sign of their game knowledge but you know what do you think like just to get a the outsider perspective or is that something where you feel that's going that's maybe a little off base yeah i mean like i think anytime you look at like a player or staff like if you have like the the stronger your network the better an opinion you can build right it's like hey like you know you played with this guy like four years ago in this random like challenger league right like what was that like or like you know or you're friends with this player who played for this coach like what did he think about what was his experience like i think those things are, you know, you have to understand those are all word of mouth, uh, sure. word of mouth um, experiences mm-hmm. and references, but like they're data points. And like, so, you know, it's, it's just like solving any, it's like solving any problem, right? You get it, gather as much data, um, you weight it according to how much you value that data, or how accurate you that think source, it is, yeah. and you use that to build a decision. Yeah, this is yeah. why I'm on Oracle's Alexaria. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, I think we try it. And, and like, that's, that's the kind of thing that I think is born out of good process and good, Mm-hmm. good organization right because like yeah, if not being haphazard or yeah yeah like if you're swayed by like the last thing you heard you're just going in a new dark direction every moment yeah. right i think like that consistency and, <clears throat> and like the, that's where the frameworks are useful yeah for sure well uh we'll wrap things up with uh one question here that that crypto xd left in in the twitch chat and i uh, appreciate that and, and people are always able to uh, submit uh, questions for the guests in advance if you go on uh, patreon.com slash oracles elixir and I, I announced the the guest a day or two before the show uh, but this one came from twitch chat and and he asks uh, how challenging is it for you coming into clg having to appeal to the older diehard fans while also looking towards the future and what you want to uh, build on yeah i think like that's the crux of it right i think it's and it's a lot of what i spoke about earlier where it's crafting something that's respectful of our legacy and takes a glance back but also like evolves the brand right like i think i think fortunately like we're pretty intelligent fans i think that you know if you look at look at some of the discourse around the team it's just like what's the plan right like what is the direction and also like how what are you going to do with the brand i think like you know there are ways to do that well and not so well right like you know the you know, you take a look at some, like, sometimes, like, you know, one way of doing that is, like, refreshing the logo and doing something different, right? I'm not, like, that's mm-hmm. not something, I, I don't know if that's something we're going to do or anything, right? But, like, um, but mm-hmm. that that's, like, a microcosm example of, like, you want to be respectful to your legacy, but, like, you want to also do something different and build towards the future, right? And, like, I think for us, like, the core fan base is important and like we know a league's a huge part of our identity and obviously like with mm-hmm. off season coming up like that's a big focus of what we do but you know clg is not just a league of legends org right that's our core and our history and it's definitely an important part of who we are but you know we have clg red right like we have one of mm-hmm. we have the best women's counter-strike team in the world we have one of the yeah. best women's valorant teams uh in 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 na and i think I, you know, uh, and those are just like two of our teams, right? We have Fortnite, yeah. we have Smash, we have a bunch of we have a bunch of stuff going on. I think, um, you know, this is a League of Legends podcast, so I won't get into too, into <laughs> it too much, right? But it's like, how do we build an identity that like res- like honors what everything we're doing across the board too, right? And like, mm-hmm. that's an identity that obviously will have ties to our core fan base and League of Legends, but it's also like, where do we want to go, and how do we evolve as an esports org? Because I think. Uh, you know, I think the day, you know, I think just being the legacy org and just paying respect to history alone is not enough. I think you need to like evolve yeah. beyond that. And that's our challenge. That's like the strategic vision. That's the question I couldn't answer earlier because like we're figuring it out. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the show today, Greg. Uh, do you have any final messages for CLG fans or the LCS community and anything that people should be looking for or paying attention to? Yeah, I think just CLG fans, I'm super excited to be on board. Obviously, like, you know, it's we didn't end the split in the best way that we wanted. And, you know, I think we have a lot to learn and I have a lot to learn coming into this role. But I'm generally excited for what the future will bring. 
Uh, definitely want to hear from you all, like, you know, what the experience has been and what it'll be like along the way. And, you know, looking forward to building together. I think there's um, a lot that we can build excitement around and a lot of ways for us to evolve. I think, you know, it's going to take some time. All these things don't happen overnight, but uh, super excited for what we can do here and uh, super excited to be hopefully leaving, leading this org to, to new and awesome and exciting things. Well, best of luck with that. And, and thank you to everyone for, for tuning in. Uh, you can support the True Side podcast at uh, patreon.com slash oracleselixir. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, as well as at uh, anchor.fm slash truesite. And make sure you check out the Oracle's Elixir Discord server where we talk about League of Legends esports and other games and data science and a, a lot of other topics. Uh, links for all of those things will be in the show notes. This has been the True Sight Podcast, and I'm Tim Sevenhusen. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh.